Canucks Central Monday. It's Dan Richo Satyar Shaw here in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Get in on the uh, Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Canucks have the Nashville Predators. We'll get the pregame fired up in about an hour's time in our first uh, day on with the Play Now Sports pregame show starting at 5.30, leading you into the 6.15 puck drop because all 32 teams are playing in the National Hockey League tonight, Zach. Yeah, man. It's fun. It's good. I like it. I like seeing, um, like, ice surfing back yes. game to game. There's constantly something on the TV. I'm here for it. Uh, a couple of games on the go right now, which we won't get into a ton. But we will get in on the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, did the morning skate. And some interesting things continuing to happen with how the Canucks set their lineup set. And we've seen Tyler Myers. You know, we, It was sort of an in-game adjustment that the Canucks made Saturday night against Florida where he started playing more with Carson Soucy and Mark Friedman started playing with Ian Cole. That has stayed consistent through practice while Hughes and Hironic continue to be the top pair for this team with the iron lungs, as Rick Tockett mm-hmm. says. But one of the things that is very apparent with this setup, Canucks have a problem moving the puck when Hughes and Hironic aren't on the ice. Yeah, they have a big puck moving problem, right? And I think the easy answer would be Ethan Bear whenever he's ready. I think people are wondering, is he going to be the guy that steps in? That could be like two months away. And that's the thing, you know, and internal options. Well, we know who's Nabbitsford, right? Yeah. Right side or left side, they could do it. And, and we'll see if they dip into that at any point. But but even big picture wise, for all the talk about a righty defenseman, and yeah, of course, they need somebody on the right side. They don't have enough guys on the left side outside of Hughes that moves the puck all that well either, you know? So, like, they, they need some puck-moving D-men. Because I look at some teams, and even a team like Nashville, for instance, they can run with three D-pairs. They have Yossi on one pair. They have Ryan McDonough on the other pair. And they have Tyson Berry on the third pair. Yeah. And they have a mix of guys that move the puck really well. And that's really a big key to how they have success. Look at some other teams as well. I think, ideally, you want to have three puck-moving guys, one puck-mover on each line. And right now, the Canucks don't simply have that, and especially when you have Hironic and Hughes together. Now, those guys have been crushing their matchups, but even if you do bring Bear back, can you survive with a, with a pair of Myers and Susie? Like, is that actually something that's, that's going to help you? Like, I still think as much as we, we're focusing on the right side, yep. could they use somebody on the left side that can move the puck half decently? Well, they probably could. You could probably use two more puck movers yeah. on this defense. And we know how difficult it is to find players that are able to do that. Um, you know, maybe a Travis Dermott might uh, <laughs> might look okay uh, in a Canucks uniform right now, but of course that didn't really work out with the, the injury problems that he had, and he's in Arizona now on a two-way contract, showing how much uncertainty there was around him being able to continue his career. You know, the, like, there's like you can find players like that. It's just really hard with the mix that the Canucks have on defense right now. Yeah. I mean, right now it's it's more about the best of what you can make yes. of what you have. And uh, it's working right now with Hughes and Philip Hironik because they've been, you know, spectacular together. They haven't had a, a single goal against in how many minutes? Uh, 71 minutes. Not bad. There is no pair in the National Hockey League that has played more minutes and surrendered less yeah. goals-wise. 
because there's no pair that's played more than 71 minutes and allowed zero goals in the way that Hughes and Hironic have. Undoubtedly, they're doing something right. Yeah. And when it's, when, it's this, when, this, when it's this good, I can see a reluctance to change it. But the Canucks are also getting absolutely caved in when those guys are not on the ice. Yeah, is the juice worth the squeeze? That's kind of what I'm wondering right now. Like, yes, they work so well together, and the numbers bear it out. Um, you know, of a team for a team that's been heavily outshot so far this season. Yeah, that has given up 35 shots on net in each of their last four games. You have Hughes and Hironic who are still running at a 55, 56% clip in the shot share. Hmm. So that's pretty good. But it also tells you how much they're getting caved in when they're not on the ice. Because the flip side is, hey, you're running like when those guys aren't on the ice, you're getting outshot like <laughs> two to one. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> and that's not something that you would like to see happen quite often. That's something you need to change. And I don't know how you change that unless you split them up because we know Hughes can play with almost anybody. We saw him have success with Noah Juleson towards the end Mm -hmm. of last year. So would splitting them up allow this team to better spread out those minutes, be be able to not get caved in when they're not on the ice? Yeah, and I think – Partly, it's something that might be inevitable to some degree. Yeah. But at the same time, so so they win the game against the Flyers. I mean, sorry. Um, Panthers. Panthers last game. And they were pretty close against the Tampa Bay Lightning. A couple of mistakes. We know, you know, Tyler Myers made some mistakes. But I think those Myers mistakes can happen regardless of who he's partnered with. Yeah. Like when he's given the puck away like that, making a bad reader, taking up Pedersen on the PK, like stuff like that. I don't think it matters who your partner is. It's it's still you having to win on in an individual one-on-one or you have to make a play with the puck and no one can ma- help you make a play with the puck. Yes. So ultimately, until his game becomes a little le- uh, less chaotic, I think you're going to have that issue to some degree. But I do think when you look at the games and how they played the, the last two it wasn't that far off of winning the matchup completely in a lot of different areas. And would you have been as good against those teams if you didn't have a super pair of Hironic and Hughes together? Right. I think that's a fair way of looking at it. The one thing that's super interesting, and we were looking at the numbers here before we came into the show, into the studio to do, to do the show, and it's clear that Hughes and Hironic are mainly playing with the JT Miller line, or at yeah. least they're spending more time with the JT Miller line. Like, uh, so Hironic and Hughes have played about each have played about 38 to 39 minutes with JT. Yeah. And Quinn Hughes has played 21 minutes with Pedersen. Whereas, um, Philip Hironic has played 24 minutes with Pedersen. So they're playing more with those guys. What's super interesting though, is Elias Pedersen and that line is still winning its matchups yeah. and they're spending more time with Ian Cole and Tyler Myers specifically. JT Miller has been on the ice for four goals at five on five with Quinn Hughes and four goals with Philip Ronick. Yeah. Elias Patterson has been on the ice for five goals with Ian Cole and four with Tyler Myers. Okay. And and they've only given up one goal with Myers and only one goal with Ian Cole. Yeah. Five on five. So when the Patterson when they played with Patterson, right? So it's clear that when those guys are playing with Patterson in that line, because Patterson is that good at driving possession as a center. I think... So in a way, Pedersen, like, okay, I'm out with Ian Cole and Tyler Myers. I got to help 
break the puck out of our own end. Yeah, and even with Kuzmenko, he ha- he provides an ability, and having Mikheyev back now, I think, helps yeah. as well. And this goes back to being able to play as a five-man unit and being able to have guys that are centers that can do different things and having different forwards that can do d- different things. So in terms of their deployment, if you're playing Hironik and Hughes together and they're mainly playing with JT and maybe some other lines, Patterson can still yeah. really dictate play whoever he's with. And I do think it's interesting, if you look at it through that lens, what may that tell us about how the team may want to build it out in the future anyways? You want to spend on the defense, but let's not forget, the Rutherford-run teams in Carolina and in Pittsburgh weren't really predominantly built with a lot of high-end D-men nor a lot of puck-moving D-men. What they right. had, however, was a number of forwards that were very good as two-way players and guys that were very good in transition and driving play. And that's where you could see Elias Patterson helping out uh, some of the issues that the Canucks have had driving possession so far. But then you get into the bottom six, and if they're taking minutes with anybody not named Quinn Hughes and Philip Ronick, Canucks have had a really tough time carrying any sort of possession. And that's where... There is a big issue, and that's what we talked about yesterday when it came to the bottom six, and they have to find a mix in the bottom six. Now, yeah. how much does Bluger help that? Having Garland playing with Suter, how much can that you know, help you provide a, a bit more possession time and zone time in the offensive zone more than anything? Because that's something they've been unable to really dictate outside of the top six, especially the Miller line. They've been living in the opponent's zones with their yeah. forward checking, especially with PDG, your guy, winning pucks consistently. So I think... They, as much as we talk about adding defensemen, would they also be looking at potentially adding a high-end forward if they could? Like, it's always easier finding a forward. Yes. And me saying high-end, of course, you always want to add a star. It's easier said than done. But should we put it past them that as much as we're talking about adding on defense, that they may be also looking at a forward that can not only score some goals, but also can help them in transition so much of that is predicated on where they're uh, able to open up the cap space you know and this is where tyler myers the conversation is continued of just how um to put it nicely imperfect his fit is on this roster right now especially at a six million dollar cap charge it's a problem um because he doesn't quite fit properly on this defense you don't want to play him with quinn hughes hasn't quite worked with Ian Cole, is really struggling at the moment, fighting the puck uh, even more so than he has maybe in past years, Mm -hmm. right? So that's making it even more of an issue. And we know the other contract of the two that Jim Rutherford uh, sort of mentioned he wanted to move is Connor Garland. Um, I I don't think you're wrong. Like they, they haven't gotten enough, even out of Bavillier and Garland right now, they would love to get another forward that can drive more possession. Mm-hmm. and be a guy that can be a goal-scoring threat at another goal-scoring threat. So right now you have Kuzmenko, you have Besser, you have Miller and Pedersen, but where's your next? There's kind of a pretty big drop-off after that. Like, yeah, you have Mikheyev, you have Garland, you have Bavillier, guys who can be 15 to 20 goal guys, but I feel like you would love to have another guy who can be maybe a one-shot type threat yeah. in this lineup. It's just hard to find those guys too, yeah. right? And that's what where we look at the team and we're like, okay, it's clear they're trying to make moves. You mentioned Garland, who's obviously in play, and we'll see if they can pull anything off there. But it's probably not going to address a big need of yours unless you're adding to the package, unless you're adding to to try to add, you know make the team a lot better. And 
I just find it fascinating that I think the team is looking to do things. I just wonder what their priority is yeah. in terms of addressing those things. Because as much as they need another defenseman, and I think you can use a puck mover on the left side too. I'd rather you first give maybe a Willannon a chance, bring him up and, and see can he play. Um, but but here's the thing. As well, long Landon as, Myers, like, could it work? But, and then you have to have two lefties on one pair, well, though. Well, I mean, I'm cool with trying that. It's clear the coaching staff it has been very reluctant in trying that. Yeah. So as long as you're not willing to try that, then it's hard to bring a lefty up here. So you, well, that's why we're fixated on righty defensemen that can help you move the puck. But do they maybe change their stance on that at some point? Yeah. Because they haven't. I mean, they I feel like you need to try to. something at some point. Like, right now. But the thing is, they're, what, 3-2 and two on the season? Yeah. The, the like results have been fine enough so far that they're not budging. Yeah. And it's still a, a, such a small sample that you're like, let's try to play this out a little bit more and see if we can work it out. But... Could you go with Willan and Myers as your third pair, have Susie and Hughes play together, or Hughes and Susie play to, uh, Hughes and Cole play together, and then have one or the other play with um, Philip Aronik? Yeah. I mean, until I see it, I just don't even consider it. Yeah. Like, show it for us. We can talk about it. We, like, we... Susie and Cole played together in Minnesota. Sure. But that wasn't Rick Tockett coaching him. No. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, until Florida they... had six lefties on plan D the other night. Hey, Vancouver. I understand. But it's just one of those things, like, clearly with how they want to play, and especially with – they're so big on their staples, right, which is wall play. Yeah. And wall play becomes a bit more complicated when you're playing on your offside as a defenseman. So I think that's part of it, too, with how they want to play and be available and and, and be able to win those battles and get pucks out and, and part seal of their properly. Staples. Yeah, and I, and I wonder how much that's built into that. Like, the, you know, even some teams may be a bit more fluid in, in some of their rules and how they do things, but because of how this team wants to play, maybe there's a real reason why they want to stick. So they're so regimented on yeah. having a lefty with a righty. But I just think it's interesting when we look at the team and we say, okay, they can address a number of different, uh, they can address fixing the team or improving the team in a number of different ways. Which avenue do they pursue most aggressively? And part of it is you're always open to different things. But I just think it's really interesting when we keep going back to how they built their teams yeah. in the past, like especially especially Rutherford. And when they had a chance to add a big piece in Pittsburgh, the piece they added was Phil Kessel. Mm -hmm. It wasn't necessarily a defenseman people talked about yeah. that they may have needed or something. And they had a bunch of injuries and still went on to win, and Phil Kessel was a big part of it. But he's also a big puck possession player. Like yeah. Phil Kessel at his best was a great skater, was really good at transporting the puck and moving the puck, right? So he's a good goal scorer too, but it's an impact player that can help drive play. And sometimes we get so fixated on, can you find impact players for specific spots? You still add a few up front. If you have more up front than you have on the back end, you see it in Toronto, for instance. Yeah. And yeah, Toronto has his flaws, don't get me wrong. But a big reason why they're a 100-point team every year and have a chance at the very least is because they have Marner, they have Matthews, they have Nylander, and they have Tavares. They, they have forwards. four of those guys. Forwards that drive play. Yeah, those four. I mean, even Tavares is a bit, you know... He's not quite the same player he was. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't want to be paying $11 million for it, but the Canucks could use a player like John Tavares. And Tockett has mentioned this on a few occasions when talking about wanting to be a team that carries more possession. Uh, it's up to our forwards to, to make more plays. Yeah. Uh, well, to find, have, find a pass rather than just being one and done. How many guys can do that currently on the team? In the bottom six, uh, there's Connor Garland. Right. There's Suter, I think, in yeah. the right spot can. Bluger can when he comes back. Yep. 
I mean, that's why I think Hoaglander still has a chance here because mm-hmm. that's something he can do. Because he can be a bit more of a playmaker than some of the others they have. He can also help drive play. Like, he hasn't done it at all this year. Yep. But in the past, he's shown some ability towards doing so. And we'll see a bit closer as they get guys healthy, if they can get it back. And it's so early in the season. It's still a lot of, like, you're, you're trying different things out. But when we address the, the things this team has done well, and they've been spectacular with Hughes and Hironic, their top six has been great. Their goaltending has been fantastic. How do they shore up other needs internally? Because as we know, we can sit here and talk trades all we want, and it's yeah. always fun, but a lot easier said than done in terms of pulling them off, especially right now, what, on October 24th? Well, Christian Willannon has six assists in four games with Abbotsford already. Yeah. You know, was the AHL defenseman of the year last year, <laughs> even though he spent most of the end of the season with the Vancouver Canucks mm-hmm. uh, and not in the AHL. But, you know, he's 28. You kind of know what he is to a certain extent at the NHL level at this point. He's kind of a quad A players. We like to, well, it's a baseball term that I'm using for hockey, but yeah. uh, it's, that's, is that kind of the issue there? And on top of that, having too many left shots. And is that why they gave Cole McWard such a long look through preseason? Because they just wanted to see if it was something they could go to, if some of these other things don't really work can Cole McWard be somebody they pair with Hughes and then allow them allow them as a team to be able to split up Hughes and Heronic? Like those would be the internal options on defense that I would bring up first. Yeah, and we'll see when they get to that. I'd imagine if you're looking to split up Hughes and Heronic, then why not just try Friedman for for a bit first? Yeah. Yep, and it's uh, so, the one thing there would be size. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, we're talking about playing 10, 15 minutes. Although Friedman, I kind of like him. He's, he's a he's little feisty. scrappy guy. Yeah, he's, you know? he's, he's like he's a, he's a lot like Cal Burroughs. See a lot of myself in Mark Friedman. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know if I would go after uh, Tanner Janot, to be honest with you, in a fight. Maybe not the best decision Mark Friedman no, has ever made. He's, he's got stones, though, man. Yeah, he's, he's, got, he's got some of that. So that part of it is super interesting. Uh, we'll see how this continues to develop Tyler Myers again we're going to see how uh, they fare with a new look on defense going forward with Ian Cole and Mark Friedman to start tonight's game against Nashville Tyler Myers with Carson Susie um, Andre Kuzmenko we're starting to see him come around a little bit uh, a lot was made of and Tockett mentioned this a bunch how much Mikheyev helps him on the ice Kuzmenko that is and it resulted in Kuzmenko's best game of the season, scores the winning goal, has the big assist on the Pedersen goal. Um, are we starting to see Andre Kuzmenko find his form? I think I think we're seeing it get a lot closer towards yeah. doing that. And he shows some explosiveness uh, against the Panthers, and especially on the play he made to open up space for himself and get the puck over to Pedersen behind the net. Just, you know, the power he has in his skating and how dynamic he can be. That's one thing that was a bit missing. But he had the puck on his stick more. Yeah. You know, and, and I think they were a lot more connected in how they played, having Mikheyev there. And I think that's a part of it. But a lot of it also is him moving his feet. And I think him trying to really take the game on. And it was interesting hearing the coach mention how he's overthinking things. It sounded like, like you were talking about Vasily Podkolzin for a minute. To some extent, right? He's like, you're worried about systems, like worry about the staples. And, you know, and and by that, I know you may wonder, like, what's the difference between, you know, yeah. system and staples? But it's more about the non-negotiables or the things you got to make sure where you have to be available, how you have to play in certain positions, whereas systems is like rotations and how you fit in here and the things you got to do. And, and it's like, don't worry about that. Like, just worry about 
you know, good puck management, yep. like knowing when to get the puck out, right? Knowing when to get the puck in, knowing where to be to be available and stuff like that. So I think those are the things he just needs to worry about was what the coach said. So maybe taking that back a little bit and just having Mikheyev back, I think we're seeing him kind of take the game on more. But what I, what I think is interesting is only five games so far. Like he's not shooting the puck more than he did no. last year. If anything, it's down a little bit. Again, I think that goes back to not having the, the same dynamic. But he's still scoring the same ways. How, how did he score the two goals? The first one was a tip-in. Mm-hmm. The second goal was in and around the net. Makes a good play around the net, waits out the goalie, and puts it in. Like, it's it's He's still the same type of player. And if we wonder, is he able to score at the same rate? And he shot, what, 29% last year? Yeah. 27%? 27%. Shooting 33% this year, Dan. So he might be shooting even Regression higher. is coming. <laughs> and here's the thing with him. And if you look at history, guys who have scored at the percentage he has, like they don't necessarily fall off in a huge way. They do their percentage-wise, but the goal-scoring weights don't go down significantly. I'm really curious to see. He may not score 39 this year, but I see him being just as dangerous in those areas because when he brings it yeah. and he plays the way he did the other night, like there's no reason to think he can't be an impact player. Well, and if the Canucks, uh, you know, considering how not little they've shot as a team, but... Now, there's room for them to grow possession-wise <laughs> throughout the roster, and maybe that's when you'll see Kuzmenko getting into more shooting areas. I'd still like to see more volume out of him. Um, you know, we've talked about it with Besser for for years, and we've seen him get into sh- good shooting spots so far this season. You'd like to see it a little bit more for Andre Kuzmenko, and maybe some of that will come as Pedersen gets closer to 100% again, but... Still the same player. And when when you talk about a player with that sort of talent, not playing free, mm-hmm. as Rick Tockett mentioned the other night, that's ultimately what you want as a coach. Like, yes, Tockett wants to play a style that doesn't give up a ton, limits mistakes, plays well defensively. All of those things are true. But he knows there's some players you got to give the freedom to to improvise and be the offensive dynamic players that they can be. And Andre Kuzmenko is one of those guys. Yeah, he certainly is. And, I mean, I think the coach has, even though he's been tough on him, he's never really alienated him. No. And he's usually responded in a positive way. I see, and I see, because honestly, like I, I, there's been a few plays this year where Kuzmenko's kind of been the conscience. There's a few plays, especially against the Flyers, where I thought Pedersen really struggled, right? And Pedersen, like we mentioned, has been at it, hasn't, doesn't look like he's physically at his best, and he still has 10 points in five games, which is just, just shows you the type of level of talent that guy is. But I thought Kuzmenko a few times was covering up Pedersen's mistakes. Yeah. I think there were some times he made some really smart reads defensively, got really got sticks on pucks defensively, what was in the right spot and made the right reads on rotations. Like I'm seeing a player trying to do all the right things and honestly showing it and showing growth in those areas. So like I he's never going to be this massively too impactful two-way player, but it seems like he's he's trying to make an impact in that area. He's trying to show that he's capable. And when you have that type of mentality, there's no reason why to why you would doubt a player coming through it's uh canuck central dan Richo, satyar shaw 650 650 on the dunbar lumber text message inbox we'll get to some of your texts as we get closer to puck drop uh with the nashville predators uh, coming up next Irfan gafar his take on the canucks so far this season and what could be happening next with this roster that's coming up on canuck central
Back in on Canuck Central. It's Dan Richo Satyar Shah here in the Kintech studio. A uh, lot still to get to as uh, we get closer to puck drop in Nashville. Canucks and Predators closing out their five-game roadie. Let's bring in our next guest, Canucks Insider. He joins us every Tuesday. It is Irfan Gaffar. What's happening, Irf? Dan, why are you so negative? How am I negative? Someone, some, someone on Twitter, at one Canadian hustler. What a handle. Um, every, <laughs> why is Dan so negative? Every single comment. What did you do for the first 30 minutes of this show? I guess I just blasted the team. I don't uh, I don't recall this myself or what comment it might have been. I but... think he, because he wanted to break up Hughes and Hironic. Oh, yes. yes. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> when good things happen in this city in defensive pairings, I think you just let it happen. But would you not get – like, Hughes can kind of carry his own pair, you know? I, I think I could play with Hughes and he'd still be okay. I'd just be a pylon out there on the ice, but, you know. Might be all right. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely do think that pair does work. Uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, they look good. I mean, and then obviously everything. Well, it and, works. And it's the, just what everything else happens on the ice when they're not together. You know, like when, well, Tyler Myers is on the ice. That's true. I mean, like <laughs> it's worked and they've, 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 in their last game together, it's worked and they won. Well, yeah. I mean, here's the funny thing. I mentioned this in the first segment. So, Yes, Hughes and Hironic, they haven't had a goal scored against them. They've been fantastic. They spend most of their time with the JT Miller line when they're out there. Pedersen's yeah. line has been spending most of the time with uh, Ian Cole and Tyler Myers. And here's the funny thing. they've had Pedersen's line has scored four goals. Pedersen has been on the ice for four goals with Myers and, four goal, and five goals with Ian Cole and only one goal against with each of those guys. So even with Tyler Myers, Pedersen's line is scoring. So to the point of don't fix something that's not broken – I kind of get why the coaching staff is sticking with it. We'll see how long they can stick with it, though. Yeah. I mean, look, they go get blown out tonight in Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, this, this could be a completely different story. With back-to-back games obviously coming home Friday and Saturday, could be completely changed. But I, I, I think they like the makeup, Rach. I think, I think what they think is it's working right now. And Sad, obviously, you alluded to those numbers with, with PD on the ice and not being on the ice for goals against and, and things like that. Um, they definitely like what they're seeing so far. So on that note, um, is is this what you would at least believe that the Canucks are trying to fix in the front office? Like, if they're going to address something in season, is it to help out the defense as we currently see it? Yeah, I think that's an important thing that they that they want to try and address. I mean, it's something that we talk about every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, something that everyone talks about every single week or every single day for that matter. Um, and they're, they're, they, they definitely uh, hear the noise and, and it's something that they've wanted to address and have tried to address uh, over the last little while. But um, as of right now, things are, things are okay. Um, it's still tough to make a move. Um, obviously, we saw the kind of minor, my, let, let's call it a minor league move. I mean, Mark Freeman, yeah, he came in and played. Yeah. And things like that, but it's definitely not, you know, not an everyday NHL defenseman or something that they're actually trying to address with that position. Um, I still think that they want to do something. It's just a matter of time. I think so too. The only question is, as much as yes, I think they they want to improve the team more than anything else. And yes, the priority obviously is to add a, another defenseman, a capable top four guy that can also move the puck. And maybe part of that is Ethan Bear. 
when he becomes healthy, you bring him in. So you're not as desperate to make a trade because you think that at some point in the season you can add a player off a free agency when he gets healthy to, to at least give you something. But I don't – and we talked about this before the season as well. Like, I don't think – they're opposed to adding an impact forward if they can do as well. Now, again, it's very hard to do right now with Connor Garland's situation. It's, it's very complicated. But in terms of priorities and what they're open to do, I think if they add another forward that's a good two-way player, that would also help the team in a big way. I think so, too. But also with adding guys, you're going to have to subtract someone, well, right? So it's going to have to be yeah. – it's going to have to – who, who, who's going the other way? And, what te- and who are you trying to acquire and what mm-hmm. are you going to have to give up? Because if you're valuing uh, a high-impact forward, you're probably – you're the other team that you're trading to obviously value someone else on your team pretty high as well, or they're going to want more pieces. So that, that, I mean, that, that's obviously the other question is what are you willing to give up in order or how much do you value an asset on your team? And then do you deem that player expendable? Yeah, it's um, you know, so much of this is still centered around moving guys. Uh, you know, the Garland one has been the story that just, won't go away, and we heard again last week that his his agent was still aggressively calling around to see what moves uh, could be out there for this team. Um, do you see this as being any closer or uh, further away from some sort of decision on Connor Garland? No, well, I think that obviously Will Davis doing his job and, and trying to facilitate a trade. But I mean, if it hadn't come in the summer when they really, really tried. Then he switched agents, and obviously that came out and hadn't come right away when, when all that happened. We're still probably in a status quo period mm-hmm. where there's nothing really going on until something happens. I mean, look, like other teams around National Hockey League, Connor Garland's on a pretty decent number, right? And the Canucks aren't just going to give him up for free. I mean, well, they would like to, but I don't think that that's, that that's going to be the case. And another team, if you're taking on that much salary, you're probably going to want to give some back the other way. Well, so uh, it's, an, it's, yeah. an, it, it, it's a difficult move to make. Well, it's very difficult to make. And, I mean, like we've been over this so many different times, but even look at the teams that have been mentioned, the Capitals, it's money in and money out. And people look at it and say, well, why not Anthony Mantha? He makes 5.7, right? He's a UFA at the end of the season. But the thing to keep in mind with Connor Garland, because he has two more years left on his contract, no team wants to take that on by using their available cap space next season. Yeah. Which by that, I mean, they want to give you a contract back. They want to give you something that goes off their books next year and the year. They don't want to give you an expiring deal. They want to give you something with term on it. Exactly. Because that expiring money is what they want to use to improve the team in other ways. They want to acquire Carter Garland by shifting, reallocating funds. Right. And what do reallocating fund trades mean? It's my problem for your problem. Yeah. And as much as you have a problem with Carter Garland, is it better to have the Carter Garland problem or a worse problem from another team? Well, that's the thing, and you just have to look at it, and you look at, we'll call it the problem children. Go, go look on for other teams and, yeah. and, see, and see who's sitting out of the lineup night in and night out or being, being a healthy scratch or, or getting demoted or, or having fights with coaches or, or teammates and things like that. And there's, a, there's a short list of players that you could definitely look down the list and say, okay, well, maybe there's a little bit of well, there's smoke, there's some fire. But, I mean, yeah, like to be completely honest, on the Connor Garland situation, there's not much happening. Yeah, I, I guess one team that hasn't been mentioned recently that I wonder if they come back into the conversation is the Chicago Blackhawks mm. um, because they have a ton of cap space and probably do want some NHL-level players to be around Connor Bedard at some point, right? So you, it, you wonder if that could be something, at least that I've been thinking about, uh, as, a, as a fit because we know they were mentioned uh, in the summer as a potential suitor. But what do they want in return to take that on? For a rebuilding team, like Probably what picks. do they want? 
or a prospect to come along with it or something right yeah. like i would imagine they want something tangible back in return i mean the trade in the in the summer that was being discussed or at least being rumored well, the canucks trading down in the draft yeah, from 10 to 19 and and maybe moving garland off like so clearly you're giving them something to do so they're not looking to make do you a favor yeah no nobody's no. Lo- looking to <laughs> give you the life jacket when you're uh, when you're drowning no. i guess right no um so on the start, they're three and two on the season so far. Uh, pretty pretty positive, you know. They could really make this a successful road trip with a win in Nashville here on this Tuesday. But um, what do you make of the way the Canucks have played so far? Um, they've played well. <laughs> a defensive, tough, tough. You don't sound convinced, Turf. Un- if I'm being honest, you don't sound convinced. The top defensive pairing has been unbelievable. The Eastern media doesn't watch the Hawks, the Canucks play uh, yes. right now. Yes, very good. Um, um, what else is there? Petey's been great. Yeah. Um, you know, JT Miller's been he, he's been good as well. Um, Brock's obviously off to a to a pretty good start. Um, you just have to look at the production and what you're going to get out of the third and fourth lines, and can you have them be consistent? You know, you're, you're you know your top two dogs or your, your top two lines are going to get their points. Um, that's that that's been proven already you know, five games in heading into, you know, game number six tonight. But you know that, you know, the Pedersons, the Bessers, you know, they're, they're their top guys are, are going to get moving. It's what can you get out of those third and fourth line guys. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at on them. Um, again, it is still early. And if they, if they win tonight, a very successful road trip, obviously, um, you know, with, the, with all the time off they had in, in Nashville. And then if you get a win tonight, another night there as well, then come home. But um, from the Canucks, I, I, I'm okay with it. And, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is um, the goaltending. Um, what's kind of really going on with Demko here? I mean, is he going to – I think obviously he's probably going to get the start tonight. But other than that, I think things have been fine. No, I, I think the fact that they've won three games out of five so far, yeah. it, it gives you a chance. And if they're able to actually gain some momentum here, and I think this is a team – that needs needs it for collective buy-in as well because it seems so far all the players feel pretty good about hey like we we have a new mentality we have the right coach new season we're excited but unless you have some success it's hard to really buy in because because it, it seems like from what we've heard especially you hear guys like Besser even like these guys want to buy in and if they get enough results do we just see that happen more and more naturally? Yeah, and I think you like you 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 look at those two losses you lose in Philly. And then obviously the Tampa game, and then in, you go back and you get that win in Florida. You're like, okay, well they they you know they bent but they didn't break. You know they came out, they they played well against the Florida Panthers, and and they end up winning that game. And then you need to go and take this game, and you hope that they can build off that to try and gain some momentum, to feel good about yourself on your flight home, and and things like that, and say, okay, you know what, we this this road trip was pretty successful. We can compete with some of the best teams in the National Hockey League. And like you mentioned, Sat, you know, the, with including all the systems and things like that and say, okay, try to find your identity. For, the, for this Canucks team, we need to stop talking about them trying to find themselves here over the next course of the next five or ten games. I think for them, it's now. It, it, it was who you were in the first game and the second game against the Edmonton Oilers. It's being able to come back after two losses and, and get a win. And that's kind of the mentality that Rick Tockett, you know, put in this team. And, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a coach that's not afraid to – speak publicly when his players aren't playing well. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the things that has the buy-in from a lot of guys that, okay, like if we play like, you know what, then our coach is going to give us, you know what. Um, and that's one of the things that, you know, guys have talked about it as well, that, you know, they're holding everyone accountable. And that's, and that's what I think that one of the biggest things that is, is a big part of the buy-in is the accountability factor. 
Well, yeah, and he's uh, he's kind of spoke pub- publicly about giving them uh, a bit of a leash here the last little while after he he blasted them in that Philly game, uh, which was deserved if we're being honest about it, um, and continuing to put more, I guess um, I don't know if pressure is the right word on the leadership group, but counting on them to make sure that this team is ready to go on a on a night to night basis. Like it can't all come from him. He knows that as a, as an ex player and as a guy who had a very successful career in the league, like you can't rely on the mm-hmm. coach to be the guy that motivates you and gets you prepared every night. You know, like they, they got to do I, it on their own at some point. I agree. But I mean, if you're a national hockey league player playing every day in the NHL, you can't get motivated. If you can't motivate yourself to get up and get ready and go play hockey and earn a pretty good paycheck for a living, then maybe you shouldn't be in the national well, hockey I, league. I just say it's, because it's been like, you a problem know I mean, for this score for, for the last couple of years. Well, I get, I get it, but I think that things like I think that things have changed. I think that you know you, you saw two losses, and then you look at it and say, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe last the last leadership group was a little bit different, you know. And I think with Quinn Hughes, things are starting to change a little bit, and he goes out and and does what he does every single night and does it very very well. Probably top five in the in the league, if not top 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 three right now. I would say there's a lot of good defensemen, but he's definitely up there. Um, I stay up late and watch games. I, 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 I don't know if other people do, but, um, you know, I, I just think that when you look at this leadership group, I, I think the way it is, it's a little bit different. I think that you have that buy-in from the team. I, I really hope, I don't know if there are guys that, you know, are kind of, you know, just going through the motions and things like that. If you are this early in the season, I'm sure Rick Tockett's going to identify and you won't be playing national mm-hmm. hockey league games for a very long time. But I think at this point in the season, you better be motivated to go play every single game. I don't think it has to come on the head coach or, 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 or a leadership group. I think if you're six games into the season, your motivation should be, should, should be pretty simple. It should be. It's just, you know, like we mentioned, it, it's been a problem in the past, right? Now, in terms of what we're seeing from Elias Patterson, too, he's not even at his best. It's clear he's still kind of banged up or whatever, still has 10 points in five games. But it seems like he's the type of player that would be a lot more at ease and feel a lot more confident in the organization when things are stable. And this might be the most stable things have been to start a season since his, what, rookie rookie year? Yeah. Yeah, very much so. So you're saying if there was an offer for a long-term contract, you probably would sign it based on five games? Oh, no, I, w- I wouldn't say that. I'm just <laughs> okay, saying, yeah, okay. I mean, it's, it's five games in. I mean, you, they have to... I mean, obviously, if things can still go sideways. We've seen it happen before. You still have to give it some time. But, I mean, it also comes down to Vancouver being like, hey, when is the time that we feel like we can approach and talk contract? Because I think the team is is not against doing it in season. It's more about you want to do it at the right time. And do you need to be like 30 games in, maybe 40 games in, being a playoff spot? Yeah. Or is it going to be – was J.T. Miller around Christmas or was it in January? Uh, His extension? Uh, no, no, no. I know the extension was in the summer. Yeah. But I, they, but they went to him around Christmas or January. I'm pretty sure. They yeah, did. it was. It's been, it's and, and, been around yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. I, before, obviously, before the summer extension. But I don't know. Are you going to use that example as okay? What are we going to do here? We mm-hmm. we tried it once with one of our top players, and this is how it went, and things kind of went sideways. Now, you know, you look at Elias Pettersson, Obviously, things are a little bit different um, for him. You know, he's got well, obviously, the, you're left on his deal, and he's you know due for a pretty significant raise. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to table an offer to Elise Pedersen to find the Vancouver Canucks, 
it's going to have to be one that makes him seriously consider it. Because I think if you if he keeps playing the way that he does, and you put an offer to him that he doesn't like, or that is something that they feel, I don't want to say offended or disrespected, but they look at it and say, really? I think there's going to be an issue. Well, you gotta, I think if you're going to table, yeah, you got to go at him with your best offer right away. You got to be correct. You got to come correct, right? You yeah. can't come in and, yeah. and do the like, hey, here's a nine million offer or whatever. It's like you got to come pretty close to what your number is. Well, yeah. If they go around the Aho offer again, you know, it's like when was uh, Sebastian Aho a top five scorer in the league or top ten scorer in the league? Hasn't been. Yeah. Right. So it's you know the the contract has got to reflect where he's at and how he's looked at right now. And the more he plays like this, the more he's going to be thought of as a top five, top 10 center in the league. Well, you're you're correct. I mean, Aho's not getting the boat ride in Sweden treatment. No, he's not. (laughs) Right. It's for superstars in this league. And like, he is a superstar in the national hockey league. So he deserves to be paid like one. Um, On Quinn Hughes. Cause uh, I, I feel like you've alluded to having a few thoughts on this. The, the rankings uh, for Quinn Hughes and him sort of uh, hinting that, yeah, he saw them and he's just going to let his play do the talking. Um, I, I, I don't really like care too much for the rankings. I'm not going to get overly no. upset about them or anything like that. But I think if you're a Canucks fan, maybe just be happy that Quinn has like, found some extra motivation to be even better and maybe level up from where he has been even in the last couple of years. I mean, to be completely honest, Quinn Hughes has probably had that chip on his shoulder for a very long time. He was probably told that he was too small in junior. He was probably told that he would never be, would never be an elite college um, athlete. He was probably told when he got drafted by the Vancouver Canucks, he was still too, mo- too small to play in the National Hockey League. Well, and, even and how bullied, he dropped in that bullied. draft. Yeah, and, and would get bullied. The Canucks were absolutely thrilled when he dropped in that draft to, where he, to, where they, to when they picked him. And to even right now, after having you know, great seasons after, after signing a, a massive extension, after being named the captain of the Vancouver Canucks, people are still saying, well, Quinn Hughes isn't, isn't, that, isn't, that, isn't that good. Mm-hmm. You know what? Who cares? I think Quinn Hughes has that mentality that, you know what, he's going to do it his own way. Um, he's done it his, his, his whole life. Yeah, he's probably not as flashy and, and, and you know, maybe as skilled as, as his brother Jack in, in New Jersey. He doesn't get all the accolades that he does, but he's for damn sure a good hockey player. Probably one of the de- best defensemen in the Western Conference. Um, other than guys like Kale McCarr and, and you know, Miro Heiskanen. Those three young guys are definitely in that category. Um, it's, just, it's just one of those things. I mean, obviously I say it tongue-in-cheek and joking a little bit, but there is that bias. There, there's been that bias for years. Going back to, you know, seeing how good Daniel and Henrik Sedin were coming up when they were playing brilliant hockey for the Vancouver Canucks, when, when Horvat was playing really, really good hockey, when Brock was on his tear. It's like, okay, well, are these guys really that good? And it's just that people that watch and people with – you know, quote unquote power and quote unquote uh, privilege and, and, you know, um, with a platform go in and say these things really don't have the facts or the knowledge to actually go and watch these games and watch how good some of these players are. We're lucky. Seven o'clock games are seven o'clock games for us. We're done at 10. I get it. You don't want to stay up till 2 a.m. to watch it. But if you can form an opinion based on not watching games or, or things like that, admitting to not watching stuff, then that's just BS. That's, that's, that's just my opinion. No, I, I, I think I agree with you on that. I mean, I do agree with you on that. Um, if you're voting on big awards, then you need to be watching very yeah. closely. Rankings, who cares? I mean, they're just rankings. Um, on the weekend, though, are you going to Seattle to watch the Browns beat your team? Here we go. Beat my you listen team. To this guy? I think we're. 
I think after a couple of weeks in this season, I, I, after what Brock Purdy has showed me the last two weeks, I think I can declare that we have the best quarterback in the division. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's not a bold statement. Who can't score a touchdown in the red zone. <laughs> I don't care. Throw it up to Jake Bobo and he'll make miraculous catches. I, I'm excited that's for my, this game. That's my guy. I mean, obviously, so I. I'm a Browns fan, but I mean, these are two good defenses. You know, yeah. they're two really good defenses. They're two offenses that can't really do much either. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm, go- I'm going to Seattle on Sunday to watch this because I have to. I mean, oh, the Browns I'm, come I'm, like I'm once happy every for six you to get to see your Browns live. Yeah, yeah. I got to go watch the Browns. We'll see who plays at quarterback. But <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the Browns could come into Seattle and smack you guys around. I'm pretty excited. Mm. I'm going to talk, I'm gonna talk so much go. trash next week if the Browns win. Oh, my God. On Tuesday, if the Browns <laughs> win. Oh, no. I'm busy. Yeah. Irf's, no, Irf's, you got to show up no Irf, matter what. Irv's <sighs> just going to like mysteriously miss his next hit on the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're the best. We'll talk soon. United today? Oh, oh here we go. Can we hang up on oh, just <laughs> Harry Maguire. I mean, so your last four. First, first, exactly. First of all, speaking of bad quarterbacks, we're talking about bad quarterbacks. I mean, come on. So, in a must-win game in the Champions League, Harry Maguire with sheer brilliance, that header in the back of the net. So, Can anybody other than Scott McTominay or Harry Maguire score for United, or is that, is that I hate Harry Maguire, and I'm so happy he scored. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I was still angry. I was still kind of angry that he scored. Yeah. I think so. Out of the last five goals United has scored, I think four of them have been by McTominay and Harry Maguire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think you are very correct. Crazy. Crazy. Uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks for this. All right, guys. Be well. Uh, there he is, uh, Irfan Gafar. Happy about his Seahawks and happy uh, about his Manchester United as well as. Uh, yeah, they're, they're getting results, but I don't know how happy I'd be about their process. Yeah, not you know? not great. I thought the process was supposed to be better with the new coach. And it really worked out that way. Yeah, a lot of unserious players. But they're still winning. I mean, give them credit. Maybe it comes together. Uh, still in wait-and-see mode as well with the uh, Vancouver Canucks, as many of us are. It's uh, Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. When we return, we'll get in on the Canucks Central pregame show as the Canucks are set to take on the Nashville Predators. We'll join up with Sportsnet Pacific as well coming up at 530. That's next on Sportsnet 650.